You're listening to the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast, episode 83. Dealing with the questions where there's no right or wrong answer. Ah, I hated hearing that as a student. And to be honest, still hearing that today as a teacher and examiner who does know how to deal with those types of questions, it's still not very helpful. It doesn't give any real direction or guidance. And actually there clearly is a right answer. Otherwise, everyone is going to be getting 20 out of 20 for those big essay questions. And that definitely isn't happening. (laughs) So if your teen also finds that phrase, there's no right or wrong answer, a little bit of a nightmare, to be honest, rather than something to be excited about, then stay tuned. I'm Katie Jones, and with over 15 years in education as an award-winning high school teacher, international external examiner, and as a study coach, I've helped thousands of students skyrocket their results and confidence. And this podcast is where I share all my insights, tactics, and tips with you, the parent, so you can help your hardworking team get happy, smart, and successful in their study, and have you both enjoy the journey along the way. This is the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast. Hey VIPs, I hope you're doing amazing. I think everyone is back at school now, no matter where you are in the country or in the world. So I really hope it's been a smooth and positive start for you and your teens. And after taking a bit of an extra push to get going again after Christmas and New Year, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, I can tell you that I am in my element. Right now, my energy is flowing, my brain cells are buzzing. Our kickoff super session was really good. You can still catch that in full on the Rock Solid Study Facebook page. I've been in school doing some relief work already, which I've felt really ready to get back into. It's been just been really good being in the classroom. And we have some fantastic students in the 10-week grade transformation program right now. And I have had some really awesome conversations with their parents. And I'm very excited about what our students from over the summer and who've enrolled recently are going to experience and achieve by creating success for themselves this year. And to top all of that off, (laughs) we are also right in the midst of putting the final touches to our semester one next level event together. Now, it's a workshop entitled How to Excel in English Exams. And I say we because for the first time ever, I am not the one leading the event. I'm going to be there and I'm having a tiny bit of input on the planning and the delivery. But we have our specialist English coach and external examiner extraordinaire, Gemma Toms, leading the event and creating and delivering the content and the training. And so with that, I am really thinking about right now the sorts of issues and challenges that come with English exams. And by far and away, the one thing that really got me in not in a good way as a student was there's no right or wrong answer said by teachers like it's a good thing, like that is helpful, like this is great news. And of course, this isn't exclusive to English exams, but I definitely remember my year nine English teacher saying it to us. But I also remember it being a thing in history for sure. And I'm sure it happens in other subjects as well. 
Maybe except maths, which would explain why I've always liked and been pretty good with maths. So if your teen is anything like me and they need or just want something a little bit more structured and focused than that to go on, then definitely listen in. And if they're the opposite of me, if they love a blank canvas, then this will still be useful as it will help them refine and up-level their responses for any subject or topic. Maybe it's art, maybe it's history, maybe it's anything that's open to interpretation like drama or dance or a design subject. Because what I've learned over the years of teaching, marking and moderating assessments and exams is that actually there are systematic dare I even say it, (laughs) black and white ways to tackle a grey or open question. And I've noticed and really focused on the fact that even the most open tasks are better or we can create a better response or they're easier to deal with when there is some sort of system or there are core concepts that underpin them. And this is often the case in real life as well as with study. So as an example, I really love photography. And one of the concepts or one of the guidelines when composing or positioning and framing a photograph or a scene is that rule of thirds. To the extent that camera lenses even have a setting where you can have that overlaid on what you can see through the lens. And then recently, something that I've been trying to basically just get a bit better at because I'm really terrible at it is... Interior design, I'm even reluctant to use that phrase. Let's just say revamping the interior of our house a little bit over the summer holidays. Just freshen up our decor, have a new look and feel, but without going crazy. Just, you know, keep all the main furniture, but get some new pictures, features on the walls, new cushions on the sofa, you know, some different plants and pots, that kind of thing. But I have no eye for this sort of thing. I don't have any natural talent in this. I don't have that, you know, ability to look at a piece of furniture or a rug or a picture and know that it's going to go beautifully with this other thing over here from this other store. (laughs) For example, I had this one day where I went and bought eight cushions. Some of them matched, some of them I thought just kind of nicely complemented and coordinated, but I got them home. I decided half of them looked terrible when I actually put them on the sofas and I literally took four of them back the next day. Basically, what I would like invented is some way to just pick out one of the you know, beautiful interior photos on realestate.com or in the posts on Instagram and copy paste it into my home. <laughs> but while that isn't yet available... <laughs> While I had some time to do some other things over the summer, I started Googling and trying to find some interior design guides and watching some YouTube tutorials. And turns out there are some key concepts to work with, like certain themes and certain things that can and cannot be put together and how many. So, for example, having like a bit of a color palette, there's one base color, there's a neutral secondary color, and then you have one, maximum two, complementary accent colors. And then you get variety through, it turns out, (laughs) textures. Now, I've sort of thought about color, but I've never really thought about textures. That was a bit of a game changer for me. That was definitely helpful to have, you know, a structure, a system, like a plug and play. This color, this color, these textures, go. So with an open task, whether it's home decor or an analytical essay or a research project, having some core concepts to work with, a system, some guiding rules to work with, I think makes things a lot more productive 
unsuccessful <laughs> and enjoyable <laughs> and a lot less frustrating and less time wasted redoing, scrapping, restarting, like returning half your cushions to spotlight, wandering around a dares hoping that something is going to just magically work for you and then ending up driving miles to Ikea where everything is systematized. <laughs> Just saying. So the first thing I would share is that there are right answers and there are wrong answers. Now, that might sound a little bit controversial, but if we think about it, there are things that your teen could write about that fit the question. And of course, they could write something that is just totally wrong. It just doesn't relate. It's just plain incorrect, either factually or interpretation wise. So it's not so much of a right answer situation, but it's more of a right way to answer the question situation. And in particular, I would offer a way to do that at a high level, because like I said, we aren't all getting 20 out of 20 on those big essay questions. And these sorts of questions are generally those extended response or essay type questions. So of course, there is an actual answer to the question, the thesis statement or the position that your teen is taking or the argument that they're making. And there will be right answers or appropriate or relevant thesis statements. And there will be wrong ones. Like I said, ones that just don't work. And then there are many different ways to back up a right answer with evidence and analysis. And there are ways that you could try to make what I would label or consider or name as a wrong answer viable or acceptable to the marker by very carefully selecting evidence that supports it in some way. And that is technically possible. But my position is why risk it? Why make life hard for yourself? And it might be kind of fun or interesting to do that in class or for a task that isn't being formally marked, then for sure, go for it. Definitely explore those avenues. But I would not recommend it for a formal assessment or an external exam. So here are some of the things that I would ask any student who I'm working with who's trying to grapple with one of these no right or wrong answer type questions, here's how I would try to guide them and get them on track to figuring out what some of those right answers could be. So I would ask something like, what do you think the expected answer is? What's the most obvious answer here? Or what do you think the author or the artist or the director wanted you to think or feel? What's the message they were intending to convey? What would most people think about the historical event if they learned about it in the way that you've just learned about it in class? So if their question asks something like, what does this novel or whatever it is that they're studying say about power and control maybe? With the idea that it could be saying all sorts of things, different people might take away different points of significance from the story, the novel, rather than being overwhelmed by that, just think, okay, what is the moral of the story? What is the point that the author wants to make here in relation to power and control? What do you think is the opinion or the message that the author is trying to get across? Or maybe it's analyzing an event in history. What would most people think, given the information and the sources that you have been studying? What would your teacher be expecting you to say? 
Let's say it's a history essay asking about how effective a particular leader was. Well, your team just needs to look at the evidence, the events that happened, and how that leader influenced them. That's the subject knowledge part. <laughs> and then from that, decide yes, it seems they were an effective leader, and here are the reasons. Or no, they weren't. Or no, they weren't an effective leader, and here are the reasons. Or they were somewhat effective, and here are some of the ways that they were, and here are some of the ways that they weren't. And here's why I advise going with the expected answer and not going against the grain or trying to find some unique perspective. First off, there are no bonus marks for being different or unique when it comes to analyzing or evaluating a text or a source. It is not a creative task. And by the way, even the creative tasks have more criteria and credit given to applying techniques or devices than they do for being original. <laughs> Go listen to episode 18 of this podcast, The Truth About Creative Tasks, if you would like to hear me talking more about that, especially if your teen is like me and not naturally creative. That will be very helpful to hear about. Or actually also if they are, because they might be relying too heavily on that creativity and maybe they're missing out on some of those other marks. And secondly, I advise not going against the grain because your teen is being taught certain points and messages and takeaways from the text. It's extremely rare, especially if it's for an assessment or a formal examination, that students will be left to just figure this stuff out for themselves. The teacher will be explaining parts of the text or discussing the techniques that the artist has used or spotlighting examples of certain techniques or devices in the play. So for example, in English, and I say this having marked for English writing tasks and educating myself around English assessment, but not as an English specialist teacher, that there is what's known as a close reading of a text. Now, to give you something very specific on this, I'll share what the Victoria Department of Education says, because I think this explains it really clearly. And like I said, I am not a subject specialist in this, but it says close reading has become a widely used approach in teaching comprehension. Snow and Connor from 2016 define close reading as an approach to teaching comprehension that insists students extract meaning from text by examining carefully how language is used in the passage itself. So in other words, that's saying they extract the message, that's the knowledge and understanding part of it, and they know what language devices or writing techniques have helped contribute to or create that message. And that's the analysis part. And then that website goes on to say, that is the critical reading of the text is based on what is in the text, not on what the reader might bring to the text. So essentially, this is about teaching comprehension of the text. And the text could be a novel, a play, a poem, even a magazine cover or a poster. But there are certain things that students are meant to get from it and understand about it. Not that students shouldn't question any of it. Indeed, they should or they could in class and in discussions. But to help with comprehension, taking away from it what is intended is the close reading of the text. Now, for me, as that student, that 16-year-old version of me, that is good news. It means that there is a right answer. 
the right answer being the theme or the message that we have covered in class. And I also know that there aren't any bonus marks for being unique or taking a difficult path to the answer. (laughs) Now, in-depth analysis, I will say this, will get more marks as it requires in-depth knowledge and detailed analysis and explanation, which is a high-level skill, and therefore it can feel or we might describe it as difficult, but that is not the same as taking a difficult path for a response. So I'm hoping that some of this will help you be able to give your team some structure and support if they're ever floundering or feeling overwhelmed in these sorts of tasks or essays or assignments, or if they love the freedom and the openness of there's no right or wrong answer type questions, but they're looking to up-level their responses, then maybe this might be a way to help them do that as well. And if your teen is coming to our next level workshop, the Excel in English exams advanced training, then I hope they're getting excited because I can tell you it is jam packed with such detailed and strategic training from an external senior examiner and lead marker. That's Gemma Toms, not me. (laughs) I can tell you, I just reviewed her slides and I wrote a stack of bullet points just from the first 19 slides, and there are over 100. So like I said, tell them to get excited. I cannot wait for it. And if your teen hasn't yet completed the 10-week grade transformation program, and you would love for them to get these sorts of skills of breaking down and dissecting questions, being able to construct clear and concise yet sophisticated responses, then check out the program at www.gradetransformation.com forward slash join. It's open for enrollment at all times, and I would love to train and support your teen this year. And wherever they are at with things, I really hope that you and your teen have a fantastic rest of your week. I'll meet you back here next week. And if you find this podcast helpful, I would be really grateful if you'd give it a five-star rating on the app wherever you get your podcast. It really does make a difference. Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye for now. You're ready to have your teen achieve their best possible results with less stress? Then I want to invite you to enroll them in the 10-week grade transformation program, where they're going to learn the key concepts, skills, and strategies to catapult their performance in assessments and exams. It's risk-free. They either achieve bigger and better results with a whole lot more confidence in 10 weeks, or we refund you in full. Just head over to www.rocksolidstudy.com forward slash program and I'll see you there.